Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Rigori Podcast. This is our first annual awards ceremony and it's likely to raise more eyebrows than Carlo Ancelotti. Speaking of Carlo Ancelotti, we'll be paying tribute to him shortly and his fine achievement. But as you know, I'm Giancarlo Rinaldi. And I'm Marco Rinaldi. And we are your regular hosts on this roller coaster of culture. Yeah, this is our rewards special, but before we kick off, just a wee word of tribute to um, Carlo Ancelotti. I don't want to get too English about it and, you know, find the only Italian that was at the Champions League final and, <laughs> and sing, his, sing his praises. Sometimes when you get to the referee and the linesman or like the, I remember it used to be the, the groundskeeper used to be the thing you would find <laughs> out. I don't know if you remember, I'm sure there was some, I think it was maybe a Scottish guy that they found at one Champions League final that, that cut the grass or something. So, But we're not quite as as desperate as, as that. I mean, I, I didn't see a lot of the game last night. It was otherwise occupied. But, you know, some achievement is certainly, he's proved himself to be one of the world's best managers. Yeah, he's he's just got that magic touch in that competition in particular. And he seems to have that ability that that seems easy, but not many managers can do it, which is to manage all these egos and all these superstars into a team that really plays for each other and... You know, they all love him. You can see it, it he, when they when they're on the pitch, when they come off the pitch, they they love him, and he's his achievement is going to be difficult to to match. I would have thought. I think so. I mean, I think I think good training for him was working for Berlusconi, and when you've worked for a a madman like that, really, yeah. you know, you've got to keep him calm, and so yeah. he just he, he exudes calm, whether mm-hmm. he really, you know, whether deep down inside that's not the case, but he seems a sort of, you know, he's maybe not a tactical innovator, he's maybe not doing anything that's going to go down in the history of the game for kind of revolutionising football but what he does is just, he's very good at managing people as you Mm -hmm. see and also managing expectation I think, because I think there was maybe a bit more that Liverpool were out for revenge for their their, their previous meeting in the Champions League final whereas Ancelotti just lets them go out and play and do their stuff. It did seem, you know, on, on stats, certainly, it looked like it was a one goal on one shot on target victory in the best traditions of Italian football. But he does he does just have a wee a knack of getting the best out of these players. And as you say, you know, in a time when players are big earners, big egos, you know, he just he seems to be able to surf that. And as you say, they all seem to, they all seem to like him. You struggle to find anyone with a, a nasty word. So we take a bit of Reflected, mm-hmm. reflected glory in that that you know, okay, an Italian team can't win the Champions League, but at least an Italian manager yeah. can. So we're still, we're still good at something. So well done, well done, Carletto. Anyway, we're going to um, kick into our, kick into our awards now, Marco. You will you get the ball rolling for us? Yeah, I will do. Um, we're going to kick off obviously at the at the back of the pitch with the goalkeepers and the nominees for this category were Skorupski of Bologna, Vicario of Empoli, Audero of Samp, and Providel of Spezia. And I just want to note, before we announce the winner, that two of those keepers, of course, played for Venezia. So 
Um, clearly, that's where they learned their their ability. Unfortunately, they didn't teach that to to my impa <laughs> and our various rubbish goalkeepers this season. No. But um, there was one clear winner. Um, the this uh, on this one, and that was Vicario of Empoli. Yep, a deserved winner, Billy yep. Bill, Billy the Vicar, as he's known <laughs> as he's known in 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 Scotland. Yeah, I spotted that. I wasn't aware of. I, I knew Aldero had a Venezia past, but I wasn't aware that Vicario played nearly a hundred games for yeah. Venezia. So I mean, certainly plenty of practice facing shots. Then I mean, there's no <laughs> well, doubt that's probably where they get their grounding. I think these boys obviously he was a brilliant shot stopper. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly yeah. It, yeah. Instead, that you don't need a, like a cannon firing balls that you you just need to play in the back line for for Venezia but I mean he certainly had a a cracking end to the season in in particular you know where he's 25 years old so he's you know he's only just approaching his prime as a goalkeeper he played every single minute for um, Empoli this season five times man of the match according to who scored anyway and uh, seven clean sheets and, uh, you know, I, I think really, as you say, especially towards the end of the season, that game where he kind of single-handedly tried to keep Calgary afloat in a roundabout with yeah. his, his parent club, and he's now one of the hottest properties in, in goalkeeping. Of course, Fiorentina being the useless idiots that they are, or uh, have dilly-dallied about this deal, and now everyone's aware of just how good a goalkeeper he is. Because um, they were, I think they were kind of first in line and had had first dibs on him, but now, as I say, everyone's become well aware with this sort of finish to the season that he's had, uh, you know, he just seemed to pull out save after save, so yeah. it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see, I mean, I don't think he'll be going down to Serie B with with Calgary, so, you know, there's bound to be a, a team's going to take a chance on him, because he's got the right, uh, he's at the right sort of stage of his career for the big step up. He, he does have that, I always thought at Venezia, he has that he is a very instinctive shot stopper, um, very brave goalkeeper. He wasn't always brilliant on crosses, and he also has this strange ability to dive without ever really leaving the ground, which is an, a strange ability for a goalkeeper to have. But maybe that helps him get the low shots. So, um, yeah, he's. I think out of these nominees, which obviously are, we're excluding the big six top six clubs in this but um, he was the clear winner for me he got 53% of the vote ahead of Skorupski on 28% so well deserved I think Absolutely, absolutely and I'll pick up the bat in here and go to the defenders and they, you know say there was a clear winner and I think it was even clearer in the in the defensive category but our nominees were uh, Bremer of Torino Aaron Hickey Bologna, good Scots boy, Nikola Milenkovic of Fiorentina, and Palomino from from Atalanta. <laughs> Interestingly, <laughs> the only player to get absolutely no votes, so uh, it felt a bit sorry for him. Although, but it was such a landslide for Bremer. And I mean, I think Bremer would have been in even if we'd included the top six. Yeah, I think he would have been a guy that was in the in the running for that. No surprise again that you know clubs are. Um, queuing up to and national teams to tra- yeah yeah <laughs> yeah very much so yeah I mean he, he was another guy that you know the the twenty five years old as well so again a good a good age and one of his finest achievements I think this season was to lock out Dusan Vlaovic twice in the space of about six weeks he did it when he was at Fiorentina and forced them to bring on Alexander Kokorin 
which shows you how bad things were, shows you how, how quiet a night Vlaovic was. And then a few weeks later, Vlaovic comes back with Juventus, so presumably a better side, scores no goals, is replaced by Moshikin. So, I mean, it shows you that the guy, you know, the, the joke about sort of emptying out your pockets or whatever and finding the opposition striker in there, um, nobody was nobody was better. I mean, I didn't watch all of Torino's games, but what games I did see, he, he looks like, huge prospect and uh, yeah. a, another guy that, you know, that I suppose this is the trouble with singling out players that are outside of the top six is that, you know, probably the top six or teams and teams outside of Italy are going to be, are going to be looking at them. I mean, do you think he's ready for a move somewhere as well, Marco? I, I would have thought so. Um, I think, yeah, like you say, he's got, he's got all the attributes to be a great defender for a long time. Um, I do hope that he does stay in Serie A at the very least because, you know, there is the whole thing. He is now being talked about as a potential um, oriundo for the Azzurri um, because his wife's getting an Italian passport and everything. So that suggests to me that maybe he, he, he likes Italy, so hopefully his head won't be turned too much. But I think he could develop into one of the best that there is in, at the back. He, he looks that strong. Yeah, no, absolutely. And since that, since that silly um, Sinisi from Feyenoord decided mm-hmm. to turn his back on Italy, let's hope that Bremer uh, does the right thing and and plays for and plays for Italy. But certainly, I, I thoroughly deserved. I mean, as I say, it was a landslide win in that vote, and yeah. I, I think he'd have had a fair chance even if we'd let all the teams, all the teams be in there. Um, so it's on to midfielders. We've got two batches of midfielders that we had, um, but uh, we'll we'll announce them together, I think. And um, the first four were uh, Torriera of Fiorentina, Ampadu of Venezia, Candreva of Sam, Barak of Verona, and then the next lot, Zurkovsky of Empoli, Traore of Sassuolo, Lukic of Torino, and Udoji of Udinese, who... Some might say he's more defender, I suppose, but he's he's that sort of attacking winger almost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but there were, uh, despite my best efforts to get um, my Venezia followers to vote for Ampadu, he didn't do too badly. Um, unfortunately, he didn't quite make it. So the winners here were Torriera and uh, Traore, and I think you know, with taking my Venezia hat off, which is difficult. Um, I think they were probably the deserved winners there. Yeah, I think I think so. It was a close thing. I mean, I think it only. I, I, I think I think things might be skewed by the fact that I have quite a few Fiorentina supporting <laughs> followers as well. So that that possibly that possibly tilted things the way of Torreira. But I mean, he certainly in that group he had a, he had a cracking season for Fiorentina. Certainly, a, you know, I would I would make him Fiorentina's Player of the Year and. A recurring theme here, as with Vicario, it looks like um, Fiorentina are going to mess this up and lose one of their best yeah. players because um, they're sort of quibbling over um, wages. Apparently, anyway, um, with Torreira, he, he was a you know it was a pretty solid player throughout the season. I was quite surprised actually, only twenty six, which somehow in my head he seems to have been around a lot, a lot longer than that. But you know, very solid, dependable midfielder. Did pick up a red card, which was a bit, a, a bit of a blemish on his season, and also he had one 
awful game when he when he but he flown back from playing in South America, and I think that was he looked like he was jet lagged <laughs> in that in that particular game. In the other group, I mean, another um, source of regret for Fiorentina fans is that Traore was a player who. They thought the club thought they had secured, but it slipped through their slipped through their fingers. And you know, especially in the second half of the season, I think he was an outstanding performer at, at, at Sassuolo. He's slightly racked up. I mean, they're very similar stats actually. They both played with thirty-one games. I think Torreira got five goals, which is his best ever return in a league season. Um, Traore got seven. Torreira played a few more minutes, but you know, they they were definitely very influential players for for their teams. And I think. Uh, Torreira will be a source of regret for Fiorentina definitely if they you know if they don't keep him. I, mean, I know that Sofia Amrabat did have a good end to the season, but um, very different players. And although yeah. although Vincenzo Italiano might be a miracle worker, I'm not sure. Although you know, in fairness to Amrabat, uh, his Verona version was always very highly rated. It was just his Fiorentina version that looked, looked terrible. So I mean, maybe a maybe a fellow Baldi can. Can get the can get the best out of them, but I, certainly Fiorentina fans at the moment are you know there's an online campaign to get them to um, sort of fork up, just fork out rather for uh, for Torreira. So we'll see how we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, two two solid midfield performers there, absolutely. And I mean, Ampadu, sorry for him, but it was you know it, it definitely in a in a poor team that that's a pretty strong. Performance. I think he, he must be, you know, one of the bright spots of the season for Venezia. Yeah, no, he he was. Um, I have to say, I had my doubts because you know he came largely built as a as a centre back, um, which is where he'd play for Wales and things like that. But he he really did. He had the leadership. He I fought for every ball. He had the fight that I wish so many other Venezia players had. Sometimes he had too much fight. It did definitely take him a bit of time to get used to the Italian. Uh, refereeing, but he, uh, he, yeah, he led the team in a lot of ways, which is saying something for such a young player. And I do think that he will go on to be um, a, a pretty decent player for for a big club. I mean, I think I said it at one point in the season. I said, you know, Milan or someone like that could do a lot worse than than try to sign him uh, to replace Kessie or something. I'm not saying he's in that class, but I think he has that potential to do that. And he's got that character that would fit in at a big club. Yeah, no, I mean it'd be nice. Well, let's see. It'd be nice to see him get a get a move off the off the back of that mm-hmm. uh, commitment and the and the kind of the effort that he's the effort that he's that he's put in. Moving on to the the forwards, this was uh, this was not as as close a vote again. Uh, you know, there was an outstanding individual in the in the pack, but the the nominations were um, Simeone at, at Verona, De Lufeu from Udinese, Gio Pedro from Cagliari, and uh, Berardi from Sassuolo. And uh, no real surprise that it was Domenico Berardi that um, that got the award. They had an outstanding season in terms of goals, fifteen goals, seventeen assists, you know, the, the the stats were the stats were impressive and so were the performances. There'll always be that slight Yeah, um, we don't talk about North Macedonia. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's <laughs> always gonna be, you know, we just we wish that, that that coolness in front of goal that he showed with with Sassuolo had been shown in that game because, you know, it was so out of keeping out of context with the whole with the whole season, it it just shows you that maybe 
the pressure, you know, the the importance of that. Because if there was a man that either wanted the ball to mm-hmm. fall to on his left foot, it would have been him. And yet, for whatever reason, he just didn't get the the power on that shot. But that's that's unfair to dwell on that in any way. Because you know th- th- that whole, to be honest, the whole Sassuolo front line could nearly have been in the nominations here. I think if we'd knocked out. Joel Pedro yeah. and, and Simeone, people probably wouldn't have complained to see Scamacca, Raspadori in there as, as well. But even in that, he's, you know, outstanding. A, a one club player so far, I think he's over about 120 goals now for Sassuolo. And the, the only question is, is it time for him to move on? He's been linked with so many times with, with moves here, there, and, uh, and everywhere, you know, and you wonder. Is is Sassuolo? Is that? I mean, I quite like it in a way because you know, as being a Fiorentina fan, it's quite frustrating to see players that never yeah. view never view you as the sort of final destination. You're always just a stepping stone. But I mean, do, do you think Marco he needs a move now to move up a, a further step in in his footballing career, or or is it okay just to be happy at Sassuolo and be a be a legend there? Well, I mean, I think it's okay to do that if that's what he wants to do. But I do think that if, you know, I suppose if if if, peop, if he wants people to think of him as as one of the top players, I think unfortunately you do have to move to to a bigger club. And I suppose from a national team point of view as well, there's more pressure at a bigger club, and that you know it's a sort of sink or swim move, I suppose. But Will it the other the other side of that coin is does it disrupt him? Does it mean that he doesn't get as many games? The team isn't he isn't the focal point of the team, and it doesn't work for him as well. So it's difficult to know. But I think he could do well. I've always had a slight question about whether he can handle that um, that pressure. It, now, having said that, he scored a penalty a penalty shootout for Italy. He's he obviously can handle some pressure, but. Yeah, I suppose I will always have doubts about whether he is one of the top, top players unless he goes to one of the bigger clubs, which maybe is a bit unfair, but it's just just the realistic approach, I suppose. Yeah, no, it's the, it's the nature of the thing. And, and, and he does still have... He has cut out a bit the disciplinary stuff that he yeah. had at the start of his career, but he's still good for a yellow card every, every yeah. three or four games, which I guess that would be... You know, that would be a worry if you were a big team looking at him. You might say, well, you know, I'm taking him out of his comfort zone. Would it, you know, would that flare up again? Would it, would he spend weeks suspended that we need him, that we need him in the team? But to be fair, I think, you know, the trend is definitely downward on that. He's definitely cut out. And, and you know, there have been plenty of great players that have had problems with referees at the start of their career, but, but managed to get a grip of it and have great careers. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how that how that plays out, as I say, whether he remains a one-club man or whether whether there is a bigger team out there willing to, to take a risk and he can step up and be, be their main man as he is at Sassuolo. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, has he... I can't remember if it's just now that he's been linked. But at one stage, I'm sure he was linked with Roma and he, he strikes me as that sort of... You know, that's the sort of size of club... That that would still build around him a bit, and he could, it, but it would also bring that extra pressure on him. I think that sort of club would be good for him, as opposed to a Juve or something like that. I think that's probably 
where I would see him based at, but yeah. we don't. I don't know. Could you imagine Zaniolo, Verardi, and Mancini in the same team? Well, never, exactly. There'd never be a game. there never be a game that they'd finish with eleven men. I don't <laughs> think. But yeah, no, you're right. It's it, that it, that step up, but maybe not to the the very mm. top where the yeah. You're right. We're a team that still he would he would feature largely in the side whether you know without it maybe being a case of like a like a Bernardeschi shall yeah. we say where you know the just the state was the state was too much going to UV and, and you know never made his mark. Certainly never became the, the mainstay that he that he hoped he would be. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, we move on to coach of the year and um some good nominees for this one. There was uh of Torino uh Tudor of Verona, Nicola of Salernitana, quickly moved past him, and Italiano of Fiorentina. And um, in the end, it was a fairly comfortable victory for Italiano. Yeah, I was, I mean, obviously, I was pleased to see that. I wondered if uh, Nicola felt was, in, in a way, you know, it depends what your, it depends what your definition of coach of the yeah. year is, because of what he achieved, whether. <laughs> Whether you like it or you're Marco, um, is is still quite something for you know a team that was um, so in such a forlorn position. What he managed, but it wasn't over the whole year. Yeah. It was a it was an impact achievement, I guess. Whereas Fiorentina, um, you know, having suffered the Yakini years, uh, no, no, loved Beppe Yakini as a player, but um, you know, and, and others as well, not just Yakini, but it's been, you know, they've been in the doldrums for a while, and you know, had that near miss with Reno Gattuso. I don't know, maybe with Gattuso they'd have been even better. Who knows? With no way of knowing. But all we do know is what's before our eyes that he made Fiorentina. I think there was a league table of sort of teams that improved the most and Fiorentina were right at the top of that and it, it wasn't just the points that they gathered, it was the manner in which they played and they actually became a pleasure to watch again, you know, and, and one a team that sort of neutrals would say, yeah, you know if I'm watching a Serie A game I'll actually tune in if it's Fiorentina you know, a bit like Napoli or, or Atalanta mm. a few seasons ago or whatever he gave them an identity and he also got the best out of players who, you know, some of them, as I mentioned, Amrabat earlier, it was it seemed like a forlorn hope. Now, it'd only be fair to say the tail end of the season was say uh, somewhat somewhat yeah. checkered, um, you know, and just when they reached the sort of near the finish line, and probably could have had a better level of European football, really, if they'd if you look at the fixtures that they had. To, to get nothing from Udinese, Salernitana, and these these games, Sampdoria, what, yeah. yeah, was a was a disaster, you know. And they did they did implode a bit in in those games. I don't I don't know. You know, a lot of people said Torreira being out, but then Torreira came back, and maybe actually the injury to Gaetano Castrovilli was more of a blow, um, because again he was a player who had kind of you know was flying high. And as Fiorentina suffered, he suffered. His confidence definitely was dented. But Italiano was doing good work with him after a shaky start to the season. He was starting to look like the player that got into the Italian national team again. But bottom line, Italiano had a very strong season, made Fiorentina good fun to watch. He, he, he was a bit of a tinker man. He is a bit of a tinker man. He seems to like to 
swap the team around. It was certainly never a settled defence until towards the end of the season, really. And he also it, it, it's a very demanding when it goes right. Anyway, it's a demanding style that he wants because he likes you to go out and impose yourself on the game, which is great when it works. Um, but it's not so it's not so good when it doesn't, as we've as we've seen some glaring examples that I've that I've just cited. And he, and he also got I don't know managers have trademark moves, and his seems to be the double or triple substitution after an hour. This is mm-hmm. like, and I don't know if there's some. If this is a stats based thing that you know that they just find that you know, but if you were a Fiorentina player, certainly you'd start to sweat after about fifty minutes because you think he's going to he's going to sub me. But you know, hats off, he had a he had a good season, and it was uh, it was actually quite fun to watch Fiorentina, which is uh, a, a blessed a blessed relief. And and then that brings us on to our final final category where maybe maybe finally Venezia will get some will get some joy <laughs> um, because we 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 instituted a sort of flop of the season or disappointment of the season we we opened this up um, because we like to sort of deride the top six teams so we opened this up to all the teams in the league the the, the nominees were um, Caicedo. Uh, two teams impressively um, disappointing at both Genoa and Inter. Um, Patrick Cutrone, Keen of Juventus, and Nani of Venezia. And at last, by by a narrow margin, this was the closest. To be fair, yeah, yeah, but at last, Venezia won something, and and Nani and Nani <laughs> typically it was the thing we didn't want to. Win. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd had a quick look at because uh, I know you'll be able to go into this in in more depth, Marco. But I looked back there at ten games um, for Venezia, one assist, um, and a, a grand total of two hundred eighty-three minutes. So you know, twenty minutes a game. The assist was in his very first game, I believe, against Empoli. Then nothing. And uh, nine minutes he played against Inter, four minutes against Sassuolo, seven minutes against Spezia. Never played the full ninety minutes, and by the end of the season, all we got were cuts to the cuts to the bench to see him to see him sitting there. I mean, is that? Am I doing him a disservice? Am I doing him an injustice? No. I mean, by, I think by those think figures, he came. I mean, I'm I'm genuinely shocked to hear that he played ten games for us because <laughs> I, that I thought he played less than that. But I think he came to Venezia for his holidays because um, I can't. Yeah, he he was he didn't look fit. He didn't look interested. Um, he didn't want the ball. That was the thing that shocked me the most. When he was on the pitch, you could see that he did not want the ball um, past him. It's like he knew that he wasn't ready for it. And just if that's the case, why on earth have we signed him? It was a, it was, you know, emblematic of our disastrous January transfer window. But yeah, he is someone that you would have hoped could inspire something, and maybe even behind the scenes in a sort of Ibrahimovic type way here's a player with experience that's won things can he motivate the team but I'm he doesn't seem to have any positive effect on the team no, whatsoever. No, no. When I looked at the stats, I thought really that it was close was was a bit of an insult to Keane, really, because yeah. he, he did manage five goals and uh, even a Champions League goal over his uh, undeniably a longer spell. Also, he's 22 and Nanny's 35, so, you know, there's still room, there's still yeah. time for Keane to improve, whereas Nanny is, uh, well, you know, we, we've all got in our memory 
the, of the quality of player that he was. And, and, you know, if he delivered even a tiny slice of that, um, you know, it could have made, it could have made a difference because you look at what, you know, much lesser players Simone Verdi managed to, yeah. to do, you know, then he could have been maybe transformational for Venezia, but he, well, he was transformational, <laughs> just, just not in a good way. That was yeah. so, so, you know, um, congratulations if that's the right, um, yeah. Term to Nani for for winning our our flop of the our flop of the <laughs> flop of the season award. He seemed and, to enjoy himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. Well, it was a lovely. It's a lovely place. I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely place. So you know, maybe that was it. Was just ticking off. He's doing the grand tour. It was maybe yeah, just exactly. ticking off, ticking off places on his list. But um, I think it's safe to say that it will not be seeing him in. Those those sexy fashionable Venezia kits ever ever again and and good good riddance we say good riddance yeah. and that that's us for our um, awards special but we have we have one more um, before we take a well earned summer break we're going to um, have a wee chat after La Finalissima which as everybody knows is much more important than the World Cup um, <laughs> and so when, when Italy and uh, Argentina go head to head to decide who is actually the best team in the world over a, a one-off game at Wembley rather than No Chiro though Rather than yeah, no, that's true. Rather than rather than wasting their time at uh, rather than wasting their time at the uh, at the World Cup, so we we'll, we'll be back with a, a a chat after that just to sum up. I suppose in a way, pay tribute to the boys of to the boys of last summer as well, and some some names that are uh, that are bowing out after it, and and also to look forward to what the what the future holds. But thanks again, everyone for for listening, and do do. Get in touch. Um, we're there on Twitter, and you know, let us know what you think, and, and share, and like, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Yeah, speak to you soon.